This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 185 of the Laravel News Podcast. Thanks so much for Honey Badger uh, sponsoring this episode. Again, Honey Badger, you rock. Honey Badger is error monitoring and tracking for all of your Laravel projects, as well as any other projects you might have going on. So definitely give them a checkout. We'll be talking about them a little bit later in the show. Michael, how's it going, my friend? Going well. We're uh, getting another good, wave good. of summer. It's quite hot today. Ooh. Comes and goes. Nice. Comes and goes. Nice. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the last show we had was a really, really big one because mm-hmm. we were catching up on all the things uh, that we missed while we were over the Christmas break. So this one's a little bit shorter, but just as exciting. Lots of cool stuff. And actually, in this episode, I don't believe we have... Oh, no, never mind. We do. We have some really exciting news. But before we get to the really exciting news, we have some just semi-exciting news. So let's start with the semi-exciting news, shall we? I'll go ahead and jump on that one. So Laravel 9.49 has been released. This was on February 1st. We've got a couple items here. Support for casting an array of enums, CLI prompts, and more. Uh, There was also, during this week, uh, most of the Laracon team or Laravel team was at Laracon EU last week. So that was cool. Uh, Laracon EU went off uh, really well. I need to get a chance to watch some of those uh, videos. I know I was um, checking some of the live stream stuff as it was kind of going on and seeing people tweeting about stuff on Twitter, uh, but I haven't gotten a chance to look at any of the videos yet. So anyway, enough enough of that. Uh, we have got support for casting collections or arrays of enums. So Ralph J. Smith contributed support for casting arrays of enums. And so what this is, is in your uh, models, you have the casts, and what you have to do here is you say as enum class, it's you'll have you kind of have to look at it in the um, in the code here, but you have a status, you name your column, right? And then arrow, and then typically where you'd put your cast over there, you have to put sort of a combination of of casts things. You have to put as enum collection class, and then you concatenate that with the enum class that you actually want to to cast that to. Uh, and then they also have an array version where instead of as enum collection, you just have as enum array object. And then you can grab the uh, class after that. So there is documentation on this as well. So you can see it in the documentation on the Laravel docs. So you want to check that out. Uh, we have Jess Acha contributing the ability to automatically prompt the user for missing command arguments instead of returning an error. Uh, so this can be used by implementing the prompts for missing input interface. Uh, so previously, what you would have is if you had a uh, command and it was missing an argument, it would just throw this not enough arguments error, and then it would give you the the uh, missing argument that you didn't have. But instead, it, it'll say now, hey, by the way, you didn't specify a name. So what's the name that you're looking for? And it just prompts you for it automatically. So instead of having to handle it that way, you can just implement the props for missing input, and it'll handle that for you automatically. That's really cool. Nice job, Jess. Uh, we have a new test response JSON assertions. Doesn't it feel like every couple releases we get some more of these? Yeah, it's good. As we right? solve every, one problem, yeah. someone finds another one and then they find their way in. Exactly. Exactly. So Seth Fat, P H A T, not, you know, 
That's the first time I've had to use that in like a non-sarcastic context. <laughs> Seth Fat contributed two assertion methods for asserting that JSON is an array and asserting that JSON is an object. So that's just like what it sounds. You just have an assertion that says JSON is array or JSON is object. So I think you can probably figure out what that means. Basically, you are going to assert JSON is array and then pass in some value. And if it is an array, then there you go. There you have it. No problem. If you have uh, the other one, assert JSON is object, you're going to do the same thing. And it's going to assert that is in fact an object. Pretty self-explanatory, just like it says on the tin, as you would say, Mr. Dorinda. Uh, Tim McDonald contributed missing validation rules. This is a strict version of the prohibits validation rule. So in this case, the field under validation must not be present in the input data. Here's a list of all the possible variations, including the typical if and unless variants. So you have missing, you have missing if, missing unless, missing with, and missing with all. So these are, you know, you could say this is similar to how we have required, required, you have required if, required unless, required with, required with all, right? Just like that, you have the same thing with missing. And so again, missing is basically saying you cannot have this in your input. It's a strict validation uh, to make sure that it's not included in your input data. All right. We also have Wendell Adriel contributing new HTTP response methods for error handling. So in this case, what you can do is you can say response client error, server error, uh, throw if status 403, throw unless status 200. So these are like some syntactic sugar, it looks like. Um, in this case, what it would do is it used to say like response throw. And that's it. And it would just say if you had anything, it would just throw an exception, like anything that's greater than 300, I suppose. But in this case, you can say throw if status and then specify a a number, right? So if throw if it's a 500, right? Only throw in the case that the status that you get back is a 500. Uh, you can also do a callable there. So instead of specifying a specific number, you could pass in a callable. Uh, you can also have a throw in less status, which is obviously going to do the opposite. If it's not a 200, throw in less status 200. Specifying must be a 200. If it's not, go ahead and throw an exception. Uh, you can only throw an exception if the HTTP response code is greater than 400 and less than 500, in which case that would be a client error. So you'd have throw if client error. And then you also have throw if server error, which would be anything greater than or equal to 500. So just a little bit of syntactic sugar there uh, so that you don't have to, you know, wrap a bunch of conditionals all over the place. It's just very declarative. So that's nice. We also have configurable time zone support for queue worker outputs. Matthias Maquis contributed a queue.log time zone configuration option so that the queue work can output timestamps in a different time zone than the application default app time zone settings. So the rationale for this addition is that this is already doable for log files uh, using the log facade. Uh, so you can say log set time zone. But the work command doesn't use that logging subsystem. Instead, it uses the console output style to write directly back to the standard out and standard file locations, so or standard error locations. So uh, this just basically brings that uh, ability over into QWorkers, uh, as well as, uh, you know, just basically replicating what we already have in log. Okay. Uh, Irfan Hamati contributed a no action on delete method to migrations for foreign keys. Uh, so if you wanted to cascade stuff, you know, you can do that. In this case, you say you have a foreign ID. It references this on this particular class. And then you say no action on delete. It doesn't do anything. So you can refer to the documentation of your database choice to understand how that might work. Uh, a couple more things. Wow, there was a, this is a jam-packed one. 
Pascal Herberts contributed a force delete quietly method. What this does is it'll force a hard delete on a soft deleted model without raising any events. So in the case that you are using soft deletes, you know, having a deleted at timestamp, you can say for any particular model, let's go ahead and force delete that. So don't soft delete it. Just go ahead and remove it from the database and do it without raising any events. So force delete quietly is the method that was added there. And then we also have Timur Frolic contributed an array sort descending method which sorts an array in descending order by its values. That's all of the items. There are lots of them in there, lots and lots and lots of them. Uh, so thank you, all you contributors out there. Of course, you can find full change log fixes, changed, uh, added, all of those in the show notes and in the change log as well. Okay, that's 9.49. All right, we're skipping 9.50 and going straight to 9.51. First up, Tony Messius contributed a sale add command that you can use to add new services to an existing sale installation. So if you forget to add MySQL or Redis or Minio into your container when you set it up, you can now run PHP Artisan sale add and it will prompt you for which service you would like to add and you can get it into your container. No mass, no fuss. Next up, Patrick O'Meara contributed a database truncation trait that will migrate your database and then truncate your tables to speed up rerunning database migrations, which is useful with Laravel Dust. Next up, Tim McDonald contributed a test expectation for database query count. This expectation can ensure code doesn't inadvertently introduce new database queries. So you can use this expects database query count and then pass it a numeric value, five, two, one, and then it will throw an exception on teardown if there were more than five queries run since the expectation was created. So this is a good way of ensuring that you don't make inadvertent N plus one queries. I know there's other ways of dealing with this in your application. You can make sure that you're only creating a certain number of records, etc. Um, so check that one out if that's of interest to you. Tim also contributed a new pending builder for the has one through and has many through relationships. If you've ever used these relationships you, like me, have probably got the arguments the wrong way around because it's always the, it's always the opposite way do you think to what, what you think it is. So if a project has many environments or an environment has many deployments, you can now use this through this arrow environments, right, as your parameter, and then you can chain has on, and then you can use a, a closure to pass in the environment. And the, and the good thing about this is that you don't have to worry about remembering the model name or the or the table name or anything like that. You can just defer to the existing relationship methods that you already have on your models. This also works for has one through. So if you have a mechanic has one car and a car has one owner, you can do this through and pass it this car as the relationship, then chain on has, and then you can um, nest the thing, the, the car owner in the closure there difficult to explain very easy when you look at it and it's certainly a nice you know having the pending object there to be able to build these up in in a more sort of streamlined readable way than having to remember the argument order and all of that kind of stuff um, so definitely check that out if you haven't seen it already next up james brooks contributed uri uri templates to the laravel http client which uses the guzzle http uri templates package under the hood so this allows you to say HTTP colon colon with URL parameters and pass a, a key value array of parameters and their values and then arrow get. And then you can use the syntax in the get of using curly braces and uh, 
symbols to denote these are optional parameters, these are um, certain things, and then it it will handle kind of putting all that stuff in there for you. So you can do this, you know, variables, data sets, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but that is it. It's like for, sprintf, right, right? Right. Yep, sprintf for uh, your query parameters. So it's just a, a nicer way to kind of say these things might change, but the the format of that URL will be the same. Typically more useful, I suppose, when you're hitting external APIs. Obviously, if you're hitting routes within your application, you'd probably just use the route helper anyway. Uh, but that that is it for that did actually include both Laravel 9.50 and 9.51. So we'll have links to all of that in the show notes. Some good additions there. Very nice. Very nice indeed. Okay, so now we've got the big news, and uh, we could probably talk about this a little bit together. But the big news is that Laravel 10 is now released. So this happened yesterday, February 14th. Laravel 10 is now released. It includes a couple things that you're going to want to know about. So let's first talk about the Laravel release schedule. So Previous to Laravel 9, uh, major framework versions were released twice a year, two times a year, every six months about. But starting with Laravel 9, the core team decided that we're going to go to an annual schedule. So they shipped Fe- uh, Laravel 9 in February of 2022 instead of the originally planned September of 2021. And some of the reasoning is that Laravel uses a lot of community-driven packages, uh, nine different Symfony components uh, for a lot of features within the framework. So uh, at that point, uh, Symphony 6 was due for release in November, and they chose to delay the 9.0 release until uh, that time, right? So they allowed that allowed them to upgrade the underlying Symphony components to 6.0 without being, wait, uh, without being forced to wait until September to perform the upgrade. So the schedule moving forward is that Laravel 9 was released February, February 8th, 2022. Laravel 10 is released February 14th, 2023. Laravel 11 will be released in the first quarter of 2024. So what does that mean for you? Laravel 9 is going to continue to get bug fixes until August of 2023 and security fixes until February of 2024. Laravel 10 bug fixes will happen until August 16th, 6th of 2024 and then security fixes until February of 2025. So that makes this a little bit easier. I think also... Is it Matt Stauffer has LaravelVersions.com or something like that? Yeah, what is that? LaravelVersions.com. Yeah, it's LaravelVersions.com. And that basically shows you all of this information, right? Because you're going to forget about this and you're not going to remember where it's where it's actually stored at. So similar to how we have like PHP versions where you can check and see, hey, what PHP versions have support for how long or whatever. Laravel Versions has all of that stuff out there for bug security fixes, security fixes only, end of life or future releases. And so all of that is listed on laravelversions.com. No dash, just laravelversions.com. Uh, and that's also uh, multilingual in case uh, you don't speak English, which is fine too. Okay, so that's the schedule. So Laravel 10 also drops support for PHP 8.0. So uh, yeah, in Laravel 10, the minimum required version is PHP 8.1. So tonight, I just actually just installed PHP 8.2 on three or four of our servers getting ready to upgrade to Laravel 10. So we've got a bunch of stuff. We were we were making sure that everything was going to be compatible with 8.2. And then after we're compatible with 8.2, then we're going to shift everything to Laravel 10. So that is the minimum required version is 8.1. You can browse the comparison between master and 9.x, but uh, you can expect to see uh, PHP 8.1 features used in the framework, such as things like read-only properties. So some of the interesting things that that allows is now going to be straight in the framework, which is cool. Laravel Pennant was a package that was created by the Laravel team. Uh, this ships with Laravel 10 and it provides feature flags. 
your applications. So these enable you to incrementally roll out new application features. So if you're ever on like your banking website and they say like, hey, check out our new dashboard, right? And you click through or maybe GitHub says, hey, do you want to enroll in this beta feature and be one of our testers and that sort of stuff, right? Or you want to A-B test a new interface design. All of those things are very much right in the vein of what Laravel Pennant hopes to accomplish. So Pennant, flag, you get the idea, feature flags. So it's the latest in the lineup of official packages provided by the core team. And now we have a well-built and well-tested and well-maintained package that provides us with some great functionality. There was also this process layer for Laravel. This is really interesting. I think Tim McDonald worked on this one. It makes testing and running CLI processes a dream to work with. So we're not talking about PHP Artisan here, right? We're talking about if you were to run like LS to list a bunch of items on your command line. That's, that's kind of what we're talking about here. So you have Illuminate support, facades, process, you call run, and then you just pass in a command that you want to run straight on the command line. Then there is a bunch of things that you can do with that. So you can say, was the result successful? Did it fail? What was the exit code? What was the output? Was there any error output? Throw, throw if. So think like the HTTP, uh, all of the fluent interface that that provides you. But now you have like that for running commands on the command line using this process layer. So you have fluent methods built to, uh, uh, sorry, fluent process methods to build a process instance before running it. So you can build it all up before you before you call run on it. Uh, you can process output handling as it's received. So if you were going to receive multiple things, you can say, as soon as you get back the first thing, let me see it. It has asynchronous processing. There's process pools. So you can spool up a bunch of things that are going to work together. The really nice thing about this, which is very difficult to do in the past, is how do you test something like this? How exactly do you do that? Well, uh, very similar to how we have fake for a lot of these other processes like storage fake or queue fake or mail fake, you now have a process fake as well, which is going to prevent stray processes from running during your tests. Uh, so testing these processes has never been easier. It looks really, really solid. In Laravel 10, uh, something we've talked about previously on the show actually is that uh, Laravel 10, the application skeleton code will have native type declarations. So any code in user land that's generated by the framework, so when you call PHP artisan make, those things are going to have type hints and return types. And because uh, Laravel is now dropping support for anything less than 8.0, you know, it's going to work throughout, uh, throughout all your code. The article that we have on the site that we've talked about previously discusses the caveats around this approach. And uh, I think it's really going to add a lot. I think these yeah. adding types is going gonna, is gonna to help projects in the future. And, you know, just similar to like, the Laravel sort of way and spacy way, they're always pushing you to do the next best thing, mm -hmm. right? So if you're going to keep up with the latest, they're going to push you to use the latest features. And so you've got return types, method arguments, any, any things where like we had annotations that were being used previously, redundant annotations are going to be removed where possible. And then it doesn't include typed properties. So uh, if you're interested in learning more about that, like I said, we have a whole article that discusses that, including what I think are called like generics. So if you have like an array that's type hinted, that uh, might have a sort of a, a uh, I think there's more, there's more complete generic. type it, annotations in there now, right? So previously, yeah, we'd say like you know, at, you know, had a whole talk about this at the last layer yeah. online, two layer kind of lines. Like previously, we would say like at return and then just array. Now in Laravel 10, yep, you'll get it. um at return and then like a left angle bracket, and then it'll actually annotate the key 
and the value within that array. So if you've got, for example, yep. in what your the gonna look like it. Yeah. Um, in your middleware groups, it'll tell you that you know this middleware group is an array of a string key and a string value, or an integer key and an interva- and a string value, and things like that. So it just gives you more comprehensive assistance in your editors, um, VS Code, yep, VM, IDE, IDE yep. you know, whatever you're using, it will prompt you that like, hey, this thing has got an array of strings in it. So you know what you're working with. So And and if using PHP Stan, it'll also complain at you if you don't do that, yep. right? So if yep. it knows, hey, this is what you're getting back and you try and do something uh, that's not going to work, PHP Stan, Layer Stan, it's going to let you know, hey, that's not going to work here. All right, invocable validation rules are now the default. So starting in Laravel 10, uh, when you generate a new validation rule with artisan, so PHP artisan make rule, uppercase, lowercase, whatever you're going to call your validation rule, it's going to create that invocable validation rule uh, by default. Okay, so that's that's that. There is a new profile option for tests. Uh, so this is dash dash profile. That's going to make it easy for you to find any tests that are slow in your application. So it's going to show you, hey, here are the top 10 slowest tests that you have. And it's going to show you anything that's over like two seconds. It's going to say, mm-hmm. it's going to highlight that in red. This took three dot, you know, 3.04 seconds. This one took 5.01 seconds. And then you can target you can target those tests to be something that you're going yeah. to speed up. So you might use like uh, spicy uh, snapshot testing or something in the case that you're hitting an actual endpoint and you're like, yeah, I don't really actually need to hit that every time. I'm going to snapshot that and then I don't have to worry about doing that every single time, right? Yeah, this, so profile is, this is super, be really useful. Helpful, helpful this is super useful to find the test. It really is. Um, I yep. know which of my tests are slow. I just don't know how to make them not slow at this point. <laughs> <laughs> right, then you get to, that's the second half of the problem, yeah. right? Is this how is do you, the how easy bit. How do you make it quick is, is the tricky one. Exactly. Uh, if you've ever needed to generate a password, a la one password or, you know, last pass, and is, you know, you have a site and it generates a secure password for you. There is now a string password method that can generate a secure random password of a given length. The password could consist of a combination of letters, numbers, and uh, symbols and spaces. By default, these passwords are 32 characters long. There is also some fluent syntax that you can use to say only symbols, only numbers, only letters, or you can say, give me letters and numbers, but no symbols or letters and numbers and spaces, but no symbols, right? And it's all fluent how you how you generate that. So works really good. Uh, saw a couple little things about that. There is a list of deprecations from Laravel 9. So methods marked as deprecated in Laravel 9 are being removed in Laravel 10. Uh, So you can expect the release upgrade guide to outline all those new deprecated methods, uh, what sort of impact they're going to have on your application and how to upgrade closer to the release. Uh, So they have a list of the the deprecations found in the comparison of the framework master to the 9.x branch at the time of the writing. I'm not going to go over those because I think you'll probably want to read through them anyway. Two more things, and then we'll move on, folks. If you want to start testing Laravel 10 now, you can install it in a new project by using the dash dash dev flag. And Michael's nodding at me and saying that is not the case anymore. I mean, it's out now. We don't have to do this anymore. Why would they have this in the in the Laravel 10 release uh, post then? Copy paste. Michael's like, that's a good that's a good question. Yeah, maybe maybe it is copy paste. Yeah, don't have to worry about that too much. And then for those of you Upgrading. who are wondering to yourself, like, how am I gonna how am I gonna handle this upgrade? I, I've got good news for you. There is a solution that I use to upgrade all of our applications, which is called Laravel Shift. So Jason McCreary created this application. Uh, It will handle taking your Laravel 9 code base, making all the necessary changes between Laravel 9 and Laravel 10, and then suggesting for you any spots where it can't automatically handle the Laravel 
10 upgrades. So like, for example, if you changed a config file and it can't just automatically upgrade that for you, it's going to let you know, hey, by the way, here's some things you might want to look at. Your file that you had in Laravel 9 is a little bit different than what we were expecting. You're going to want to go check these configs or, you know, what have you. There's a, there's a bunch of different things there. But Laravel Shift is amazing. You should definitely check it out if you haven't checked it out before. And it doesn't only do Laravel 9 to 10. It also does all sorts of old shifts as well. So if you needed to do Laravel 8 to 9 or anything else like that, it's got all of those as well. Okay, that was Laravel 10. I get to do I get to do the two huge ones and uh you're left with the other stuff. Sorry, dude. Oh, I'm left with the baby ones. That's okay. What do you what are you what are you most excited for with Laravel 10? Uh the feature flagging stuff is pretty nice. Super cool. I think I mean I'm just excited to get to get there. Where um I had to stall my uh upgrade project just because you know the way the world is other things came up so almost finished laravel 8 hopefully you know 8 was a bit of a bit of a a tricky one because it was like all of the change with the model factories and we had to change like one of our main project dependencies we're using the tenancy for laravel package and it became too much work to maintain a fork that would work on an earlier version of laravel so we had to bite the bullet and do the upgrade there so I'm i'm just excited to get there to be honest so once we get to Laravel nine, the next one should be easy, and then ten will be on ten, and then we're gonna we're gonna start today. That's that's my ironclad guarantee. We're gonna start today once we get there. So are you guys a mono repo? Like you guys a you know like no, a majestic we, monolith sort two of stuff? You have two. Yeah, we've got the like okay. Well, that's API is, API backend, okay. and then we've got like a Nuxt front end where we're in the process of merging those two code bases and and migrating to Winertia, which will be a whole other whole other thing. So we'll see how we go. But um, yeah, I think the the feature flagging stuff will be good because we we kind of had like a version of that where we you know things are on or off. But I think using Laravel Pennant and and the extra functionality that that's going to give us in terms of like releasing things to a subset of our customers and maybe testing and all of that kind of stuff, it'll be be nice to do that. So looking forward to that one. I think for Laravel Ten. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Speaking of Laravel 10, the Laravel Artisan Cheat Sheet, which is a project from James Brooks, who works for the Laravel Corporation, uh, has been updated to support Laravel 10. The Cheat Sheet is a bookmarkable, searchable resource for all of Laravel's built-in Artisan commands and includes the latest commands, flags, and arguments that were added to Artisan between the Laravel 10 at Laravel 9 and Laravel 10 releases. You can toggle to older versions with the Cheat Sheet references going all the way back to Laravel 6, and you can... Uh, search filter with a prefix, quickly see everything um, from there. So you can check that out at artisan.page. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Absolutely. It's like this happens to me on occasion where sometimes I just like PHP artisan and then I just type what I think it is. <laughs> it's, like, it's sort of like it's forgiving a little bit if you type. And I think you told me about this. So like if I do want to do like clear all. Yeah. Right. I do O colon C, I think is what it is. Or if I want to do key generate, I do key colon G. Right. So today, though, I had something where I was trying to do that. And I did L colon S and it threw an error at me. And I was like, oh, man. Yeah. And that was quite annoying uh, because, you know, sometimes you just kind of rely on it to do its thing and it, and it doesn't quite do its thing. But that's why we have things like Honey Badger, because let's face it, even if you're a developer, an amazing developer, your code's going to have errors. It's going to happen. So when those errors happen, it's nice to know that Honey Badger has your back. Honey Badger makes you a DevOps hero. How do they do that? They combine error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and check-in monitoring into one 
platforms. So you don't have to go to three different places to find out what's going on. You can just go to a single pane of glass, as they might say. They send you alerts in real time with all the context that you need to see what's causing the error, whether you're using Slack, whether you're using email, whether you're using Teams even maybe, all of that good stuff so you can quickly fix the error and get on with your day. The included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when your external services are having issues, not just your code, but the external services that you're using, or if your background jobs go missing or are silently failing. So go to hoodiebadger.io, you'll discover how Star, Josh, and Ben created a 100% bootstrapped monitoring solution. Why do we include that every single time we talk about that they're bootstrapped? The reason why this is important is because because they're self-funded, it means they only answer to you, the developer. They don't have to try and hockey stick this thing to please some venture capital overlord. They're responsible to you, the developers who are using their products. So check them out, honeybadger.io. Thanks so much, Honey Badger, for sponsoring the show. Thank you, Honey Badger. So yeah, I said I was most looking forward to the feature flagging stuff that's coming in Laravel 10, and we're going to talk more about that now. Laravel Pennant is a package created by the Laravel team that will arrive or has arrived with Laravel 10 that provides feature flags for your applications. Feature flags enable you to incrementally roll out new application features with confidence, A-B tests, new interface designs, complement a trunk-based development strategy, and much more. If you don't know what a trunk-based development strategy is, that's where you're basically getting your code out into master, right? Write your feature, merge to master, ship it. Write your feature, merge to master, ship it. And then you turn these things off using feature flags so they're in master and they can just be turned on whenever you need to at a moment's notice. Flick of the switch in your env file whatever the package is the latest in a lineup of official packages provided by the core team and means that we now have a well-built and well-tested package that provides us with some great functionality breaking down the package's features we can look into what the package gives us first up you can create new features by simply defining them in your app service provider so you would do a feature colon colon define give it a name as the first parameter and then a closure as the second parameter which then will determine true or false whether or not that feature is available. So if you had a feature defined as beta-testers and your closure would simply match on the uh, authenticated user, which is passed into that closure, is the user a beta user? Return true. Otherwise, return false. This is a super clean and easy way to define features in your application, but you can also use class-based approaches for your features. So you can have a beta-testers class, which has a resolve function that accepts the user the, the authenticated user, and it can return a mixed response. So you return, you can do a match, you do all that user checking inside of there. There's many exciting ways that this could be used. Um, one of the examples from the documentation is to use the feature when option. And you can say when new API, colon, colon, class. Um, so you Which can, would be the, the class of the particular feature that you're working with. Right. Right? So before yeah. we said beta testers, but this would be like new API is the name of the flag, the feature that you're kind of working on, right? Yep. So when you're working there, um, you can have a kind of a if else construct in there. So you'd have uh, the first thing is the name of the feature. The second argument is, you know, if this is true, do this thing. Otherwise, do this thing. So we've got this kind of construct in um, eloquent resources. Uh, moving forward, this will work quite well for version APIs where you can control access to the relevant controllers based on whether the user has access to the new API. So if the if the user is a beta tester or they've got access to the new API, you can say, you know, handle v2, otherwise handle v1 um, in your application. And you can use actions to redirect the correct APIs based on whether or not the user is a beta tester. 
Um, so a lot of lot of code heavy discussion there. Steve McDougal, our tutorial master. I was going to say I, I recognized as soon as that redirect action was in there. I'm like, wait a second. Yeah, that's exactly that's a right. Steve McDougalism that's a Steve right there. Steve thing. So check this out because I made an absolute meal of presenting it to you. I'm excited for it. You should be too if you want to be doing this kind of uh, feature based development for your applications. Suffice it to say, you know, Laravel doesn't ever, the Laravel team isn't ever going to do like a half-baked sort of deal, right? So not only do they give us the ability to define these uh, different features, but they then give us the tools to use them inside the application in meaningful ways, right? So how are you going to use this? How are you going to use a feature flag? Well, typically you're going to do something like show them a different view when they're viewing the same controller based on whether they're in the beta group or not, right? And so in the examples here, uh, Steve is sort of showcasing that like, hey, this is how easy it is now to be able to do here's A, here's B based on whether you're part of this group or you're not a part of this group, right? And so really simple to do that. I haven't looked at all the rest of the documentation. I got to imagine that this is also going to be simple to turn things on and off if like you're in a view. I think I would be, I'm betting there's some sort of view directive for this, I would guess. Right, or where they would say like, if they're in this beta group or mm. if they're in this thing, then it will it will yeah, allow I'm it or sure, not. Yeah, I'm it. sure. There's like an at feature blade directive that you can yep, use. There's a blade directive here. There's a middleware. There's in memory cache. There's all sorts of. I mean, yeah, yeah. Eager loading. Yeah, you can. So when it says like in memory cache, basically that's going to say like when you're checking a feature, it'll pen will create an in-memory cache for the results so you don't have to keep going back to the database every single time and rechecking the right. feature flag over and over and over and over uh so it basically says like hey give me give me all the stuff and then you can flush the cache of course if you need to but you know, they've thought about all that stuff so this this blog post that we're talking about is a very sort of shallow dive into what it what it can do uh but it, suffice it to say we we've been talking about doing feature flag stuff it would be so useful for us and the fact that now there is a Laravel, a first party solution. I don't want to say default first party. Thank you. A first party solution to this just makes me, it gives me so much more confidence um, that this is going to be sticking around. That's the thing, right? Is it's like, sometimes you don't know these community driven packages are wonderful. They are, but sometimes they're just sort of out there by somebody who had a, had a passion to create it and then they never maintain it. And so you can't use it in the next version or whatever it might be, or it's a pain in the neck to get a pull request submitted and, and approved. I know because I'm that guy that doesn't always necessarily check those and approve them. So sorry about that. Anybody who uses some of the packages I've created. Moving on. Google reCAPTCHA. Uh, so the Google reCAPTCHA Enterprise for Laravel is a package that provides easy configuration of reCAPTCHA and a handy validation rule to verify your user token scores. I feel like we've already had something like this before. I've definitely used something like this before, but maybe it's the first time we're featuring the package here on air. Um, there's an example for how you can use the package to validate the user's reCAPTCHA score using the provided validation rule class. So all you have to do is in the rules, you're going to say, hey, here's the field that's coming through with the reCAPTCHA response. Essentially, what's going to happen is this, right? You have a reCAPTCHA that goes onto the page. Google then you know, scores that and then will take the value of that and pop it into an input that's going to come through with the rest of your form submission. So whatever that field might be named, in this case, they're naming it G reCAPTCHA response. Uh, it's going to be a required field, of course, because if it's not, that means they're trying to get around it. And then all you have to do is new reCAPTCHA as one of the rules that you're passing through there. And when, when validating a reCAPTCHA token, you have to configure a score threshold. So you can say, if we're more than 70% confident that this is not a robot, 
then let them through. Or you can change that to be have to be 100% sure, right? Whatever that might be. But what this does is instead of making it so that you have to reach out to Google and say, hey, give me the results of how that went and, and whatever, you can just configure this uh, through you know a package, which is, is pretty handy. So there you go. Yeah, pretty simple. Laravel Recaptcha Enterprise is the package name. One duo. Thank you for creating that one. Beautiful. And next up, we have the ability to export eloquent models to JSON files. Model JSON for Laravel is a package that allows you to export data from specific models in your Laravel app to a JSON format. It is uh, based on a PHP artisan command and offers various options to customize the export process. It will allow you to export important data from your models in a convenient and readable format. So you can use PHP artisan model export and then pass it the model name or an exact location. So you could use user or app models user. You can tell it to exclude fields. So you might want to exclude deleted at you might want to exclude the password field for example and there's even the ability to export associated model data using a dash dash with dash relationships flag and you can also import data from a json file and then store it in your database using the model colon import artisan command if you give it the name of a model and then the path to a corresponding json file so you can learn more about this package get full installation instructions and view the source code on GitHub. We'll have links to that in the show notes for you. This is kind of nice because it feels like in this case, what you're sort of doing is instead of having a cedar where you have to go set up the world, right? You might be able to take a setup database, export it to JSON, and then use the import command to import uh, those values that you had previously set up into a new database. Now, some of the features that it actually has, which are quite nice that you don't think about until you've had to do this before, is you can export with those relationships. So you can say, give me all the relationships that are attached to those models as well. You can also exclude timestamps. That's a huge one. Because when you exclude timestamps or when you include timestamps, it's only a, a you know a period of time until those timestamps are no longer valid, mm-hmm. right? They they don't line up with the the data the data that you're pushing in. The created at timestamp was from two years ago now. And it's like, why is it not showing up in my recent users included thing? I mean, that's that's going to be the some of the challenges you're going to have with that. So if you're ever needing to to, you know, the ways that I've done this in the past is I just do a SQL dump of a database and then I just do a DB raw and just do an insert into whatever. But that doesn't help help with like the relationship stuff necessarily. So uh, this is an interesting one for sure. If you wanted to be able to export some data and then make sure that this gets included into like your QA testing environment, uh, you could do that. That's a cool one. Nice job. Um, all right. Let's talk about encrypting environment variables with padlock. This is a Laravel 0 command by Daniel Mason. So if you don't know what Laravel 0 is, Laravel 0 was Nuno Maduro's uh, brainchild, uh, where it basically allows you to build fully featured CLI apps uh, and package them up using Laravel. Um, so Laravel 0 is the name of that. And this is a command that is built for Laravel 0, or sorry, built. I'm not sure if it's built with or built for, built in, but built with by Daniel Laravel Mason. Zero. Sorry, say again? It's built with Laravel 0. So it's like a standalone built with artisan zero. command that you can like compose a global require. So it's built with Laravel 0. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so this is for encrypting and decrypting environment files powered by Laravel's encryption commands. And because it's installed via global, via globally, via Composer, excuse me, you can use it to encrypt files in the current working directory for any project. So they have an example command for decrypting the files that you 
encrypt. Uh, what's neat about this package is it's globally available, but it uses the Laravel framework commands under the hood. So you might ask yourself, why would, why would I need this, right? We already have the ability to encrypt and decrypt environment variables in Laravel, right? We just, that was released in Laravel 9. That's something we talked about on the show. You can have a env.dev. And then if somebody has the special key, you can decrypt it and it'll say, okay, take env.dev and just drop it into env for you, right? You can do that, which is great. But not everybody has the wonderful world of being able to work with only Laravel framework. And yeah, Michael's waving his hand, right? Well, not a current version. So this means you can use this. Yeah, right. You can use this tool to encrypt non-Laravel or even non-PHP. I mean, or non-Laravel or old Laravel or non-PHP environment files even, right? So you could use it as the Python file or the Go file or whatever, uh, or a Go environment, right? Uh, so you can get started by installing this using Composer Global Require, F-I-D-U-M, FIDUM, FIDUM, slash padlock. Uh, and so basically creating that, pulling all that power over from Laravel 9 uh, with those encryption and decryption commands that were created to allow you to use this anywhere in your system for any of your applications, regardless of if you're able to use the latest versions of Laravel or not. So nice job on that, Daniel. That's well. All right tutorial time three this week three tutorials for your reading pleasure the first one is from our illustrious leader eric barnes and this is going to teach you how to impersonate users in your laravel application this is always good like if users come to you and they report a problem right what they usually do if you're lucky is they'll send you a screenshot of something but you want to look at the console or you want to see like what http request failed or whatever so by impersonating your users, you can log into them within your application and then see what they see, reproduce what they've done, and then you can get your fixes out. And so this is going to teach you how to do that and then how to get back out of that uh, that impersonated user back to your admin account. Uh, and the next two, two that we have are from Steve McDougall. The first one is testing JSON API endpoints with PestPHP, and it is based on his previous tutorial on effective eloquent multi multi-path tutorial and last one getting started with php insights which is uh, php insights is a composer package created by nuno maduro which is a fantastic tool to get started with analyzing the code quality of your php applications uh, so it will tell you about code complexity how much of your code is made up of comments classes functions uh, globals talks about uh, architecture how many classes interfaces globals traits you've got and then sort of scores your application using these metrics to give you an understanding of your code. You can put this into your CI and sort of, you know, if you see a degradation, you can kind of fail the builds and say, you know, this is not happening or is happening or whatever. So definitely check that out. If you want to get some overview into the quality, in quotes, of your applications. And all it's going to do is like, if it falls below a certain point, my, my tests just fail and it says, get your crap together. That's all it says. Doesn't make any suggestions. Just like, guys, what is going on here? The t- the code quality failed. Hey, I was going to tell you as well. Um, I know that like in this tutorial that Eric Barnes has, which yes, our fearless leader, he's amazing. Love it. I'm, I'm trying to make sure I understand here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this says, so he's talking about Laravel Nova, right? He says, one of the neat features of Laravel Nova is the ability to impersonate users right from the control panel, which is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, you can impersonate people in Laravel Nova with no package. It's not needed. 
But what he's saying is, hey, Laravel Nova can do that. How can I do that outside of Laravel Nova, right? How can I do that just in a regular Laravel application? I think is right. what he's saying. Yes. Yep. Right? Does Laravel Nova also provide you the ability to, like, if you say impersonate, does it only let you impersonate them in the in Nova, or does it also let you impersonate them in the application? No, you can impersonate them in the application. Okay, I didn't I didn't know if there was a reason why he had this instead of the Laravel Nova one, or well, he's saying if you're not using Laravel he's Nova, he's saying he's saying if you're not using Laravel Nova at all, this is how to do it. Uh, I think that was I think Laravel. that was the hiccup for me as I was thinking in my head, why would anybody not be using Laravel Nova? I got gotcha. you, I got gotcha. you. I mean, hey, I mean, if you don't use Laravel Nova, you don't use Laravel Nova, but I mean, it's pretty nice, pretty nice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, that's, it's a good point. It's a good point. So yeah, you have to set it up yourself and kind of, I mean, if you just used Laravel Nova to say, hey, just give me a listing of the users so I can do an impersonation on them, and we, even that would be, sure. <laughs> you'd save yourself, save yourself the time of having to set this up. You right. Know? But like, you know, some people uh, are just learning. Some people are, you know. That's it, true. It's, it's right. totally true. It's right. I, I me, our companies pay for it. And. And, and that's very true there. but yep, you know, you're right someone's just learning for the first time or they're putting together a a, a project that they, you know they're not making any money from it but they want something to be able to do that that kind of stuff then yeah this is this is good tutorial to follow indeed how dare i assume how dare i assume that people have laravel nova david hempel would be proud Okay, everybody. Hey, this was episode 185 of the Laravel News Podcast. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Five stars on your podcatcher of choice would be awesome if you liked the show. If you didn't, feel free to leave a different rating or even better, reach out to us on Twitter at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Dorinda, or at Laravel News. We'd love to hear from you. Complaints, comments, future segment suggestions, all those things would be very welcome. And if you'd like to find show notes for this episode, you can find them at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 185. All right, folks, until next time, we will see you. Bye-bye. Bye.